Spring is a great time of year to do some cleaning around the house and clean up your finances. And something else that you can do for your family this spring is shopping for life insurance with Policy Genius as part of your financial planning for the year. Getting life insurance today means you'll have peace of mind so that if something were to happen to you, your family can cover expenses, things like mortgage payments, credit card payments, car loans, or even college costs. I have a wife and two kids, with a third on the way, by the way, and business partners that all depend on my income. So I needed life insurance and Policy Genius made that so incredibly easy. And with Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. So save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you can save. That's policygenius.com. One of my favorite ways to invest is real estate, but not everyone wants to handle tenants and toilets. Enter Fundrise. They make it easy to invest in real estate with their flagship fund. Now, as always, you always have to carefully consider the investment objectives and risks of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. But right now, demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. And the Fundrise flagship fund plans on going on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes with just as little as $10 by visiting fundrise.com slash PFP. As always, carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at fundrise.com slash PFP. That's fundrise.com slash PFP. This is a paid advertisement. On this episode of the Personal Finance Podcast, we're going to talk about how much you should spend on a car. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Personal Finance Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew, founder of DollarAfterDollar.com, and today on the Personal Finance Podcast, we're going to be talking about how much you should spend on a car. If you have any questions about this episode, follow me on Instagram at dollar. You can hit me up with a DM and ask any questions you have on Instagram. And follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or whatever podcast player you love listening to this podcast to. And if you want to help out the show, leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Now, today we're going to be talking about something I get a question about constantly which is how much you should spend on a car. Now, as we've talked about in the past, vehicle ownership is part of the big three expenses. Now, what are the big three expenses? It's housing, food, and transportation. And if you can control these three expenses, these three expenses will encompass the majority of your spending and the majority of your budget. So a lot of times, if you're overspending in specific categories, if you really can't keep cash on hand, if you're living paycheck to paycheck, a lot of folks spend the majority of their money within these three categories. Making sure that you can actually control your spending in these categories is one of the biggest wealth builders you have at your disposal. Because if you're overspending in these categories and you cut back on these categories, it's going to allow you to start building a lot more wealth. Because with that extra money, 
you're going to be able to apply it towards investments, apply it towards paying down debt. And that's what the power of controlling these big three expenses are. So today we're going to be talking about how you can reduce the cost of owning your vehicle and how much you should be spending on your vehicle. Because the cost of owning a vehicle is going up dramatically every single year. If you look at the price comparison of of vehicles in the last 10 years, they've gone up dramatically. If you want to buy a pickup truck, you used to be able to buy a new pickup truck for $20,000, $25,000. Now they're up to $40,000, $50,000, $60,000 for a truck. And a nice pickup truck go above $100,000. So inflation is way ahead on vehicles. And the difficult part about vehicles is they're a liability. So we're going to get into why vehicles make you poor. We're going to get into a lot of the costs of owning a car. We're going to get into how much you should be paying for a car based on how much you make. So there's a lot of great pieces of information in this episode, stuff that you can take that's actionable, especially if you're looking for a vehicle or if you want to reduce your vehicle costs. Now, we have to be extremely careful on how much we spend on cars because many people out there who are poor especially if they're car poor, they're going to throw big money at cars. And a lot of people will put a majority of their net worth into vehicles throughout their lifetime. AAA did a study and they found that the cost of car ownership is way higher than I even thought it was. For vehicles that are driven 15,000 miles a year, which is the average for most people, the cost of ownership per year was $8,469 or about $706 per month. Now, the wild thing about $706 per month is that's a couple million dollars if you invest it over the course of 30 years. And if you invest it over the course of 40 years or 50 years, you're looking at three, four, five million dollars. So we really have to take this seriously because this is a massive expense. Because if you mess this up, you're foregoing millions of dollars that could have been invested. This is the reality of car ownership. This is the reality of how much this matters. And we want to be able to make sure that we can calculate the true cost of car ownership. Because if you don't do the true cost of car ownership, you don't really know how much you're spending because your car payment is not the only cost. There's a bunch of additional costs in owning a car. There's things like depreciation. Yes, your car going down in value is a cost to you because you're losing money every single month. Car depreciation is how much your car loses value every month. Unless you have a classic car that you don't drive anywhere, your car is losing value every single day. Every single day you're losing money on that vehicle. So if you're spending a lot of your money on cars, you're spending the majority of your income on a car payment, then you need to reconsider that situation. Another expense, interest on financing. So if you finance a car, you're going to be paying interest every single month. That's a cost that has to be factored in because the price of the car is higher than what the sticker price is that you're paying because you're paying interest on that car. Taxes and fees. When you buy a car, there's sales tax, there's fees, there's registry costs. You may see a car and the sticker price is 25 grand, but all of a sudden you're walking out and it's 29 grand by the time you're out of there. That's because of all the fees and the taxes and all the other pieces that you have to pay. Fuel and gas. This is a major one because this is something that you can feel and touch because you have to personally go fill up your car unless you live in 1950. So you have to go to the gas station and fill up your car. This is another expense of owning a car. Maintenance. When your car breaks down, when you have to change air filters or windshield wipers, or maybe your transmission blows. All of these pieces are going to fall under the maintenance category. All of these are extreme expenses. And the thing about these types of expenses is most people don't save up for these as if they are actually going to happen. Most people, when their car breaks down, they have to react and find a way to pull the money together to be able to fix it. It's inevitable. 
If you own a car, it's going to break at some point in time. Why not prepare for that? Repairs. If you have major repairs and you're not preparing for those major repairs, that's another piece that you have to be preparing for. Now, before we get into the nitty gritty and you're listening to this and saying, hey, I love cars. That's my thing. My thing is I love to work on cars. I love classic cars. I love thinking about cars. Cars are my thing. Maybe you've dreamed about owning a Ferrari your whole life, or maybe you've dreamed about driving a classic Chevelle. All of these are fine because what that means is these things bring you value. And if that's you, then work your butt off to achieve that dream. Work your butt off to achieve that Ferrari. Don't let me, a guy behind a podcast mic, tell you you can't drive your dream car. That's not what I'm saying because what I want you to do with your money is I want you to spend it on things that bring you value. So if you love cars, ball out on your cars, man, but cut it back somewhere else that doesn't bring you value. Maybe you love cars, but don't care if your house is massive. Well, don't buy the huge house and have the car because you can't have both if your income is limited. You can't afford it all, but you can afford what you want. So if cars are your thing, work your butt off. And if cars are your thing, just do the following. Create a fund that allows you to put money towards cars every single month. Because if that's your hobby, if that's what you love to do, if that's your passion, maybe you want to build a business around it. But put money towards that every single month so that you can work your way towards getting your dream car. Maybe you want to buy a Ferrari in five years. Well, figure out how much is a Ferrari, okay? Then work backwards. Divide that number by five, then divide that number by 12, and you have how much you have to save every single month to have a Ferrari in five years. The second thing is just make sure you're not foregoing investing to pursue your car passion. And then the last one is just understand the trade-offs. So if cars are your thing, go for it. But at the same time, understand the trade-offs that you're foregoing along the way. Let's get into how cars keep you broke. One of the hardest things about managing your money is figuring out where it's all going. And most of us are trying to save for several goals at once, which can feel like a daunting task to see if you're on track or even on pace to accomplishing your goals. But there is a tool that makes it so much easier and it's called Monarch Money. They help you track your money flow without taking a ton of time and energy. And Monarch has built-in features to collaborate with your partner, family, or financial advisor. And you can invite them with an extra account with their own login at no extra cost to collaborate with you. And Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can create custom budgets, set notifications, and you can set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications. And after trying Monarch for myself, I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com PFP. That's M-O-N- A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash P-F-P for your extended 30-day free trial. The key to winning in any business is making sure you have the right business partner. An example is Procter & Gamble or Ben & Jerry. But what about the perfect partners when it comes to growing your business? That's you and Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to, did we just hit a million dollars stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. 
And most people know one of your biggest struggles when it comes to starting an online business is finding new customers and Shopify can help you do that. And what I love about Shopify is no matter how big you wanna grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So sign up for $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash PFP, all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash PFP now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. That's shopify.com slash PFP. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. And if you need to hire, you need Indeed because Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. And they have a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. So ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash personal finance. Just go to indeed.com slash personal finance right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash personal finance. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now is a great time of year to get your finances in order. And no matter what your financial goals are this year, when you use Chime's online checking account, you can cross all those financial to-dos off your list. Chime's online checking account has tons of benefits that millions of members love, like fee-fee overdraft up to $200. Plus, get paid up to two days early with direct deposit, all while managing your money on the go 24-7. And you get access to over 60,000 ATMs. So start building your credit and open a Chime checking account with at least $200 qualifying direct deposit to get started. Get started at Chime.com PFP. That's Chime.com PFP. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank, NA, or Stride Bank, NA, members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Early access to direct deposit funds depends on payer. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply. Now, Cars are one of the biggest liabilities that you can purchase, and most people need to purchase a car. A lot of people who follow the fire movement or who got into it because of Mr. Money Mustache where he bikes all around town and never drives a car, that's all fine and dandy. The reality is that not everyone is going to do that. If that's what you do, maybe you take public transportation, that's fantastic because you're pursuing major wealth. And it's fantastic to to be able to forego a vehicle if you don't need one. Maybe you live in a big city or you don't mind public transportation. That's amazing. But some people are not willing to do that. And if that's you, you're not willing to forego your car. Just understand the trade-offs that you have here. Hey, I drive two nice vehicles. We have two nice, myself has, I have a vehicle, my wife has a vehicle. And I'll explain how I buy cars in a second. I'm not the type of person who foregoes vehicles. But if you want to achieve fire faster, maybe you want to retire in like seven years. That is one very powerful way to do it because as you're going to see, cars are very expensive to maintain and to own. So let's look at why cars can keep you broke, especially if you're overspending or putting the majority of your income into a vehicle. The first one is that most people can't afford a car, so they actually borrow for a car. 
And what that means is you're paying interest on a depreciating asset. So what we want to do is we want to buy as many income-producing assets as we possibly can. We've talked about that in the past, from real estates to stocks to bonds to index funds. All of these things increase in value and produce cash for us. But what a car does is it decreases in value and becomes a liability because every single year, the value of that vehicle goes down. And if you finance a liability, at the same time, now you're paying interest on a liability of something that goes down in value. So you're paying more for something that goes down in value. This sounds counterintuitive, but it's what a lot of people do. And I don't think financing a car is a bad thing. I'll explain exactly why. I know a lot of people like to talk about paying cash for cars, but if the interest rate is low enough, it doesn't make sense to deploy all of your cash towards a vehicle when you could be investing that money instead. The second reason why cars keep you broke is if you buy a new car, It loses 63% of its value in the first five years. Cars lose their value. They depreciate as we just talked about. But 63% of the value is dropping in five years. That's going to give you a little hint as to when to buy a car. Because as you can see, the majority of the drop is within the first couple of years. Number three, you have to maintain a depreciating asset. So things like gas, maintenance, insurance, licensing, registration, all those pieces that we just talked about. All of those come into play on a depreciating asset. It's very difficult to sell a depreciating asset when you also have to pay additional costs on the outside of it to upkeep it. So the average car payment is $551 a month. And that's averaging over 69 months or 5.75 years. If you invested that money at a 7% rate of return every single year, and that's conservative as of late, but if you invested that money at a 7% rate of return, these payments would be worth $46,000. Three hundred and forty-three dollars. Now, let's say you invested that same payment every single month for twenty years at seven percent. You would make on that money not what it would become, but you would make on that money an additional two hundred and seventy-nine thousand dollars over twenty years. This is why it's so important to drive cars longer. Because if you're continuing that cycle of having a payment for a long period of time, especially if you're financing, if you're paying cash, it's a different story. But if you're financing and you have that car payment continuously running then what's happening there is you're foregoing the ability to invest more money. You're foregoing the ability to build wealth for you and your family. And that's not something you want to do all the time. You don't want to always have a car payment. So to solve that problem, let's get into what to look for and how I buy cars. Now, before you buy a car, you have to understand everything that you need. And we're going to talk about budget in a second. But you need to understand all the things that you want, all the things that you need. So you got to go through how many passengers you're going to have, What type of driving do you do? Is it highway, surface streets, off-road, all those pieces? Do you have a long commute? And because of that, is fuel economy important to you? Do you need all-wheel drive? What are the must-have features? Do you need cargo capacity? Do you need a truck? Will you have children's car seats in the car? Will you be doing any towing? Do you need it for business? Do you need a truck or a sprinter van? All of these things are need to be considered before you go into it. Now, we're going to have another episode talking about how to negotiate your vehicle because there's a very specific way that I do this, and I've had to perfect it over buying the last few vehicles. But if you know how to negotiate a vehicle, then going into buying a car is going to be massively, massively less costly than it would if you actually didn't think about how you're going to negotiate. But before you buy a car, you got to know the features that you need and then the features that you want because you may be able to add some of those in later. Now, a couple of quick tips that I can give you on this episode is never buy third-party warranties 
because those never work out. A lot of times, if you have to actually utilize them, you have to jump through 25 hoops. If they have dealer warranties, like, for example, Hyundai, I think, has a 10-year, 100,000-mile warranty that they've done for years and years and years. Those kind of warranties are fantastic because they come with the vehicle. But if you have to purchase a warranty, don't ever do that. And while you're negotiating, you want to try to negotiate things like service, oil changes, maintenance, and repairs for a certain amount of time, maybe five to 10 years. Because for if, if you can negotiate this in, let's say this negotiation saves you $200 a month on maintenance and repairs for five years. You just knocked $10,000 off the purchase price if you think about it that way. So if you can negotiate the extras in on the back end, especially if the price is too high for you, then maybe you can actually reduce that price in the long run. Now, let me explain to you exactly how I buy cars. The first thing is, if you haven't learned, listened to the episode where I talk about how you can have a free car for life, that episode explains why assets should be paying for your liabilities. So what I do is I try to find an asset, whether it's a rental property, whether it's a business, whether it's a stock, bond, whatever, that you can put your cash in to be able to pay for your car. Now, what do I mean by that? Let's say, for example, you want a brand new BMW and you figure out that BMW is gonna cost me $500 a month if I get a car payment, if I put X amount down. Well, what you wanna do is go out and find something like a rental property, which cash flows $500 a month, put the down payment on the rental property, allow that cash flow to come in and use that cash flow to pay for your vehicle. Because what happens here? Once your vehicle is paid off, you still have that rental property and that rental property is still cash flowing $500 and putting that into your pocket. That is extremely powerful. And that is how you should be buying vehicles if at all possible. Now, if you're just starting out, I understand that's difficult to find something like a rental property or put up enough cash to be able to buy the vehicle. But once you get going and you start saving money and investing money, that is the best way to buy vehicles. It's straight out of the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. That's what he does. He uses assets to buy liabilities. And that's how I try to live my life around everything. So here's how I buy the vehicle. I buy slightly used cars that have already taken a depreciation hit, usually one to three years old. So as we just talked about, most cars within the first five years take a massive depreciation hit of about 63%. And new cars lose two to $10,000 the second you drive them off the lot. I don't want to lose two to $10,000 just because I bought a brand new car. So by buying used, I remove the greatest loss from the vehicle. If you buy just a couple years used, you take away the greatest loss from the vehicle and I still get reliability, which is extremely important to me, especially when I have kids. So buying the vehicle early on in its life cycle, but not brand new, is how you take away the biggest depreciation hit that's going to come up. And if you use an asset to purchase it that way, you're saving an extreme amount of money. Then what I do is after I do this, I drive the car for as long as I possibly can. So this is another reason why reliability matters to me. My last car, I drove for as long as I possibly could. And once it died, then I moved on to the truck that I have now. This is how you really make sure that you reduce the amount of liabilities that you're paying out because cars can be one of the biggest liabilities that you ever have. Now, do I pay cash for the cars? No, because I want to buy them with an asset. So I actually finance the cars and let my tenant, whoever is living in that rental property, pay for the car payment for me. So somebody else gets up and goes to work all day, comes home and pays for the car payment for me, or the business pays for the car payment for me. 
Each of these things is the hack around buying cars. So that's why I finance instead of paying cash. Paying cash is a great way to buy cars, and most people in most situations should consider paying cash for cars, but that's very difficult to execute for most people. And sometimes at the dealer, you may have to pay a 4% interest rate off the bat, but you can refinance with something like a credit union for 1.5%, and then you're good to go. Now, if I didn't pay for cars with a with a an asset, would I pay cash? It just depends on the market conditions. Because if the interest rate is low enough, I'd rather have the cash invested or keep the cash in account because sometimes there's just more power in having cash and knowing you can pay something off than actually paying it off. Because you still have the safety net of the cash in case something drastic happens, but at the same time, you know you could pay the car off. So now that I've explained exactly how I buy cars, let's get into how much you should spend on a car. Now, what most people do when they buy a car is they walk in and decide how much they want their monthly payment to be, and they give that information away to the dealer. That's not the way to buy a car. The way to buy a car is figure out how much you can actually afford, because if you're working on the monthly payment, you could draw out monthly payments for years and years and years, and all of a sudden, you're paying way too much for a car because your monthly payment is low enough for you. Figuring out the monthly payment, unless you're buying it with an asset, is one of the worst ways to buy a car, especially since most people give that information away to the dealer as they walk in. The first thing the dealership asks you is how much you wanna pay each month. And if you give that information away, they're gonna figure out ways to stretch it out so that you can kinda get close to that monthly payment. And by playing with those numbers, a skilled salesperson can craft any car loan to fit your budget. That's what you want to stay away from. So don't let your emotions get the best of you when buying a car. Whether you know it or not, this is an extremely emotional process. Buying a car is an emotional process. You can see a car that you absolutely love, and if they can figure out how to weave their way in and stretch out the payments and make it work, then they're going to do that for you. And you're going to walk away buying that car that is way over budget if you actually know how much you should be spending. So how much should you be spending on a car? Well, there's a couple of rules of thumb. I'm going to give you all the options. And you can kind of figure out what's best for you. And I'll tell you the exact one that I use. And before I give you the rules of thumb, just remember that you can add the trade-in value of your vehicle to this. Because some of these numbers may sound drastic to you. But if you add the trade-in value of your vehicle, let's say you get $8,000 in value on your car. And you're allowed to spend, based on these rules of thumb, say ten grand. Well, now you have eighteen grand to play with to spend on a car. So what is the highest you should spend? What is the highest amount that you should actually spend? Well, as you know, I like to always talk about the highest amount you can spend because what a lot of people do is they'll spend too much money on things like their housing. And we've always stated that housing, you should not spend over 30% of your income on housing. Well, there's the same type of rule of thumb on vehicles, and that is you should not spend more than 35% of one year's salary on a car. That's the highest you can go. Because once you're going above that number, you're overspending for a vehicle. You're overspending for a liability. You're overspending for something that goes down in value. That's the highest number you should spend. If you want to retire early or you want to achieve fire, financial independence, then you don't even want to get close to this 35% number. Because this 35% number is people who really enjoy cars. Maybe they like to drive a luxury car or they like to drive cars that really fit their lifestyle. But if that's not you, and you want to achieve financial independence, but you need a car, you can't take public transportation, you don't want to bike across the middle of the city, then what you need to do is follow the FIRE rule of thumb, 
which is you should not spend more than 10% of your yearly income on a vehicle. That's how you're going to achieve fire because what a lot of people who want to achieve fire very quickly, especially if it's 10 years or less, if somebody wants to do that, they need to reduce their liability significantly. And by doing this, it's going to allow you to achieve that goal. Now, this may sound extremely drastic because somebody who makes $50,000 a year can only spend $5,000 on a car. That may sound crazy to some of you. Where can you find a $5,000 car? Well, you're going to have to look at a very used car. Now, if you have a trade-in value on another car, let's say you have a car that's worth 15 grand, now you have 20 grand to play with. You're going to have to make some drastic changes if you want to achieve fire very quickly. What is the rule of thumb that I follow? What do I personally do? I like to compromise in between the two. And so the compromise rule of thumb that I utilize specifically is between 15 to 20% of your yearly income. So if you make 100 grand, that means you can spend 15 to $20,000 plus your trade-in value on your next car. But what you want to do is if you really want to achieve wealth building principles, you really want to build real wealth, then you want to drive that car as long as possible. So you got to pick something out that you can see yourself driving for 10 years or longer. Because if you drive it less than 10 years, let's say you only get five years out of a car, well, that's how long most people's car payment is. So you're just gonna be cycling car payments over and over and over again. So spending 15 to 20% on a reliable car, in addition to your trade-in value, will allow you to really get as much as you possibly can out of that vehicle, as much as you possibly can. See, I personally don't see myself ever driving anything other than a truck. So for me, having a truck is one of the easiest purchases of all time because the older a truck gets, the cooler it gets. But for some people, that may not be the same for them. So if this is an emotional experience for you, if this is like ripping a Band-Aid off, you have a fancy car you're paying 50 grand for and you make 50 grand a year, I'm sorry, homie, you pay too much for your whip. That's the bottom line. If that's you, you have two options. You can either sell your car, but that's not going to be a great option for you because it's already gone down in value, or you can drive that vehicle for a long period of time. People make mistakes. Don't beat yourself up about it. If you didn't know, you didn't know. So making sure that you actually make good decisions going forward about vehicle ownership is what's going to be powerful for you. Listen, we can't fix the past, but all you can do is move forward. So looking at your time horizon, see if you can drive that vehicle for a long period of time and just move on. Now, if you can sell it for about what you got it for and then buy a cheaper vehicle and keep some of the cash, that's great. But if you can't do that, then just use the vehicle ownership rule of 10 years or more and work on reducing your liabilities going forward. So I just want you guys to be conscious about how much you're spending on your vehicles. Because like I said, if you can control the big three, you can build real wealth about around that decision. And if you make good decisions about your vehicles, you drive them for a long time, you buy them with assets, then you can have nice vehicles, really nice vehicles, and still build wealth at the same time. You can have both but you have to do it in an intelligent way and you have to do it in a different way than most people because most people are broke. Most people do it the way a poor person does it. But if you tweak it a little bit as we've discussed in this episode, then you can build wealth for the long run. If you have any questions at all, hit me up on Instagram at dollar A-F-T-R dollar. Follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast player you listen to. Please leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, and we'll leave a bunch of other relevant episodes in the show notes, including the episode talking about how you can have a free car for life, which is all about buying cars with assets. 
Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. And if this is your first time listening, consider subscribing so you never miss an episode. And share this episode with a friend. And don't forget to leave a rating and review on iTunes as well. Because our goal is to bring as much value to you as possible. And we're trying to spread this message that money can buy freedom. That's what money is there to do, is to buy more freedom. So thank you again so much for listening, and I hope you have a great day. Everyone's heard the saying, you have to spend money to make money, but everything in life from travel to starting a business is expensive, which is why I want to tell you about a new podcast I love that will teach you all the tactics, tricks, and tips you need to upgrade your life, money, and even travel all while spending less and saving more. It's called All the Hacks, and it's a top-ranked show hosted by my good friend, Chris Hutchins a financial optimizer, an entrepreneur who's racked up millions of points, and he sold two companies. And if you want to rethink the way you're spending money, you have to check out the episode 91 with Bill Perkins and why you should be optimizing for net fulfillment and not net worth and striving to die with zero. All the Hacks has something for everyone, and I'm sure you'll find a new tactic that you can apply to your own life, whether it's a money hack that increases your net worth or a routine change that boosts your productivity. So check out All the Hacks. That's All the Hacks on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your wallet will thank you later.